RC Plane Lab, a podcast for anyone interested in RC airplanes. We'll share tips and tricks on how to build models and talk about successful flights, epic crashes, and everything in between. Visit us at rcplanelab.com to sign up for our email list and to ask us questions. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please help us out by rating and reviewing us in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for spending time with us today. Now here are your hosts, Ron and Tom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the RC Plane Lab podcast. I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Oh, how you doing, Tom? I'm good. How are you? Good. How was your week? Uh, so far. So far, I mean, so from, good. Since last Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. No, saying. so far, so good. You? Not bad. You? Uh, I'm looking forward to this Labor Day weekend. I am, too. I yeah. just found out I'm taking a three and a half day weekend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, you are. You and I have a trip to take. We do. We are going back to our favorite hobby shop. Yep. And you are buying a wing jig. That I am. After our conversation last week, uh, one happened to come available uh, from my favorite hobby shop, and uh, so I purchased it. So I'm going to use it. <laughs> so you're going to use it to build. I am. Your, your wings are done, obviously. Right. So. Yep. On the Duelist, uh, the wing panels are done. I haven't, unfortunately, I don't have an update because I haven't had any time to work on the wings. But I yeah, know the, the feeling. The plan is to um, assemble my fuselage on this jig. Oh, with the assistance of the cool standoffs that you're making. Yeah, those actually turned out pretty good. I did get those printed. Um, I've done 16 of them so far at like a day and a half of <laughs> solid of printing. Um, oh, I thought you were going to say a day and a half each. No, 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 but, no. Oh, that, that's not so bad. No, it's like I said, 11-ish hours for four of them. So no, I guess that's about two full days. Um, <laughs> yep. But yeah, we, we looked at the plans because I didn't know how many I needed to do this. Uh, apparently, we need like 10, mm-hmm. so I think I'm just going to print another four and give them to you. Thank you. So then we have 10 apiece for yep. your new toy. For my new Adjust-A-Jig. Yeah. That's actually pretty cool because you don't see those very often. No, you don't. Like, I looked on eBay even after I got mine, and I there was nothing on there for sale. So, yeah. And you got a, a fairly good deal on it, too. I feel I like I did. Yeah. Uh, 75 bucks. Um, I don't know if it comes with... Um, the smaller fuselage standoffs, uh, I think like yours may have some. Yeah, mine has that. Yeah. I honestly, I know I don't, it has the wing ones, but you know whatever. I don't know if I would ever use those. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, I I need to do some research and and read the instructions like you found. Um, maybe they have an application that's handy, but for what we're doing, I think the ones you made are going to be ideal yeah it wouldn't work for for what we're doing because that's only for like a square-sided fuselage they're only so Um, tall yeah and you can only go so wide with them it's only like three and a half inches i think is is about as wide as you can get um but you're more than welcome to use mine anytime you need them i was thinking it just occurred to me um would it be possible to create something that, that slides on the rods, but is also adjustable width-wise, so that if you wanted to build, say, a wider fuselage, you would have some adjustability. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like the Great Plains um, engine mounts, how they, when they fit together, they key together, and then you can kind of slide them in and out a little bit to make them wider or, or narrower. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, that's what comes with the Adjusto jig, oh. like as the, the okay. formers for oh, the, the fuselage. Okay. All right. But like I said, there's no... Like it's gonna, or it has to be a square fuselage for that because it's literally, like, or at least flat sides, right? Does no. it have to be square at the bottom too? Well, that's how it's designed. Work? Yeah, oh, okay. and from everything I've seen, like in the instructions and stuff, it's all been flat bottom. 
Okay. And so it's like two L's that form a U. Okay. And kind of right. like what you're talking so, yeah. about, where you can slide right. it I gotcha. to different widths. And you can actually set the angle differently on the uh, uprights too. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe we'll have to play with that, but not with this airplane. No. It's too rounded, I think, to do anything it on is. that. Plus yeah. everything's at different heights. Right. You know, so it's not going to be a, a nice flat surface to begin with. Now with the the fuselage formers on the dualist plans, they have the tab at the bottom designed to sit on a flat surface. Yeah. Since we're using the rods, we won't need those, right? We will not. Oh, that'll no. make the construction even that much easier. Yeah, so we won't need the uh, need the tabs on the bottom, but what I'm going to have to do is make the, um, like in order to get the width right to where I can actually fit those two rods through it, they don't all fit um, and line up just perfect for that. So there's going to have to be like tabs added to the top that we're going to have to cut off after we have oh, it made. Well, that won't be that big a deal. No, I don't think so. That's why I'm not too concerned about it. Yeah. But so anyway, yeah, I'm really excited. Uh, we've got, uh, got a plan for this weekend, go back up to my favorite shop and we're going to buy some more of the Falcata. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to play with it yet, I but I figured if we're going up there anyway, we might as well get some of it. It's like a, um, like a heavier balsa yeah. that's stronger than balsa. So we, you know, we won't have to build with as much of it. Right. Um, he, I, what did he say? The, the strength was about like pine. But I don't remember what the weight was. I mean, it's like I said, when when we got the stuff we have or already got, yeah. it's not all that heavy compared to balsa, but it is a little bit heavier. Yeah, what I what I compare it to is like a really really dense sea green balsa. Yeah, but it's, it's smoother. It's, oh, it's like very the finish smooth, is yeah. very very smooth. So I don't know if the if the density of the grain is exactly the same as a really you know hard balsa. But anyway, um, looks really strong and promising. Yeah. So we're going to try that for, I'm going to use that for my rib, or for my fuselage formers. Right. Um, I don't know if you're going to do. We'll see. Okay. Um, I, I know for sure, you know, like we had talked about it, the very first former uh, that my nose wheel retract is going to mount to is going to be obviously aircraft plywood because I want that to be really, really strong. But I was contemplating, you know, building the rest of the formers out with light ply. But um, if this Falcata, I think that's how it's pronounced, uh, work out. It might be an option. Yeah, and it's cheaper too. It's much cheaper. It is. So it's promising. But like I said, we'll we'll know more about that once we actually get to building with it. Um, obviously, this is not like this plane isn't as important to me as it is to you. Right. So I'm not as worried about, you know, I don't plan on flying it all the time. I don't plan on having it be my go-to or even like a really, really one that I enjoy flying. God, well, I that hope sounds, you enjoy flying. Oh, I'm sorry. It. That sounded terrible. <laughs> Otherwise, it's not worth all the effort. <laughs> not one that I like. feel like I, I need to fly often. Gotcha. Does that sound any better? No, not really. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, so whatever. Well, <laughs> it'll be another airplane. Let's, let's put it yeah, that way. But yeah. it's not it'll like... It'll fill out the hangar. It's not going to be like top of my list on it. I love this airplane. I mean, I, and you know what? I shouldn't say that. I don't know that yet, but I'm just assuming that this is not like... This isn't the tri-motor. This isn't something right. that I really feel it's like not, passionate yeah. about building. This yeah. is more your baby. And it then is. I just kind of latched on to it and was like, oh, this could be fun. Right. So I don't have that same emotional connection to it that you do. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm going to fly the thing every weekend or every time I go fly either because it will be a somewhat complicated airplane to fly. I mean, mine anyway. You know, it's going to have two nitro engines on it. They're going to require, you know, constant fiddling, which I love. Yeah, I don't. 
but you know, it's not. It's probably not going to be my go-to either. But it's certainly going to have a lot of um, meaning. I don't want to say emotional attachment, but it will mean a lot to me when it's done. So. It'll come full circle. You know, if that's yeah. one that you started off with a long time ago that your friend built, yeah, um, and then you crashed. Um, you <laughs> know, now you're now you're replacing it. So that kind of right. You know, yeah, will round out the stable. Sort of close the the chapter or close the last page on that. And then, the pocket, or, and then you can get rid of the duelist pocket. And then you can you can get rid of the duelist bucket. The bucket, yeah. The bucket of duelist parts. Well, the bucket, you know, I mean, the bucket has probably been in the trash for 30, well, not 30 years, but a long time. But the parts have been, you know, surviving in either a, I've got a plastic tub that I use for what's left of them. But yeah, I can finally empty that out and put those pieces back in the air. So. Awesome. Yeah. Another exciting update. I did acquire a Clarence Lee 61. Oh, that's awesome. But first off, I want to apologize because I was up at your house and I, you know, I had walked up there because I was up at mom and dad's for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you're like, I just got my Clarence Lee today. Do you want to come in and see? You know, I haven't opened it yet. Mm -hmm. That thought went in one or one ear and out the other. I don't well, want you to think like I was ignoring you. We talked about a lot of other stuff too, so yeah. it's okay. And, and so like when I got to mom's house, I was like, oh man, I forgot to go in and see that motor. But So I did not like purposefully <laughs> blow you off. I'm it's sorry okay. if it seemed like that. Um, you know, honestly, the excitement of opening that box, I mean, whether you were there or not, it was really, really special to me. I wish I would have been there. So, But uh, no, I scored one off of RC Groups, uh, one of my favorite hangouts, nice. uh, online hangouts. Um, yeah, it's, it's just weird how things, the timing of things sometimes, you know, we, the past few weeks we've talked about how disappointed I was and especially how disappointed you were, which is really kind of odd, but, uh, that I didn't get one. It's because I knew how important it seemed to be to you and that you like literally missed your mark by months. <laughs> I mean, it's not like he stopped years ago. No, right. So right. it's just been that close. So right. I feel a little responsible for not pushing hard enough uh, <laughs> when you first started talking about it. So. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, I did score one. It's a used one. Um, but uh, Has it been flown and ran? or It know? has been run. Okay. Uh, it's probably been flown, which is great. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind that at all. But I did get the original letter to its original owner, which is not my name. It's a different name, but that's okay. So. So I'm um, going to start, start calling you George now. George, that is uh, that is who the previous owner, the original owner of this engine, uh, George. If you're listening, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'll take. I promise, I'm going to take very good care of it. Um, but yeah, I, it's in very very good shape. Uh, to look at the uh, the insides of it, I took the head off of it just to kind of look at the top of the piston, get an idea of how much use. And I tell you, it's shiny silver. I mean, it's it has not been run much. So can you still get parts? For those, if you need to rebuild that? Yep. And there's nothing special about, like, rebuild parts then? Not really. Uh, the Clarence Lee 61, it's a ringed um, piston. Mm -hmm. So my friend at uh, Bjorn Ball at... Uh, um, RMJ. RMJ, thank you, Ringmaster Jr. Um, Machine Works, uh, I can get rings for them. So if I wear out the ring, there you go. Uh, the only thing that uh, that may cause trouble down the road is if I should happen to wear out the liner... Uh, I don't foresee that happening because I'm probably not going to fly it a lot. So, do you have anything you're planning on putting it on? I do actually. Oh. I've I've thought about it, and I have a really cool um, '70s vintage kit <laughs> downstairs. It's a pattern plane. It's uh, 
Uh, it's made by Southern RC, and it's called the, uh, I think it was called a Compensator, I think. Compensator? I believe that was the name of it. That's an odd name for an airplane. What are you compensating for? I take that back. It's it's a tiger tail. <laughs> now I remember. I, well, I'm look. I'm trying to. I'm picturing the box in my head. But anyway, it's a tiger tail, sixty size pattern plane, perfect combination for a for a clearance Lee sixty one. So that's probably where that engine is is destined. So another airplane to build. Oh yeah. I mean, we're talking weeks down the road. <laughs> weeks. I got to find time to build the one that uh, that we're. You know, working on now, and um, then the one after that, and then, and then the one after yeah, that. There's going to be a tri motor somewhere in there, and and then your biplane, some other stuff, and then the biplane. Yeah, so I mean, we're talking a long time down the road, but that's yeah. that's the plan. Awesome. Um, but I'm really really happy. Um, it has uh, Clarence Lee's letter in the box. I have the original box. It says Lee Custom on it. it. Has the sticker. It's really really cool. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm really happy. Good so, for you. You're yeah. beaming. I am. So I'm really really excited about it. It's a big ear to ear grin. Yep. I'm very happy to hear that, though. That's isn't it funny how something like that can what something like that can mean to somebody, though. Honestly, no, I get it. It's just too bad you didn't find somebody with your name, and then you could have been like, "Look, I bought this <laughs> Look, back in uh, 1992. I mean, Clarence Lee built this for me. Yeah, that's okay. You want me to Photoshop it? No, it's okay. No, okay. I think you would have a hard time replicating that. I mean, that's a it's actually a typewritten. Not a word processor, but a typewriter has typed this letter. It's not a... That would mean it's easier than you think, actually. All I have to, to do To create is... the little indents in the paper from where the key struck the... Are you kidding me? Oh, no, I wasn't. I said, no, I was just going to, like, copy it and then oh. print it. Yeah. Well... Although, I don't know. If I get bored one day, maybe I'll just press every letter down and make it look <laughs> like a typewriter did it, but whatever. <laughs> if you have that kind of time, you don't have enough airplanes to build. No, and we have plenty. We, so. Yeah, that we do. No, but congratulations. Thank so you very much. Good. Thank I'm, you very much. I was really, really, uh, it's, like I said, it's really odd, the timing, you know, that that popped up, you know, so soon after we talked about it on the on the uh, podcast. But, I'm yeah, I'm really happy. No, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, I did get a chance to work on my wing a little bit. Uh, going back to so you've repaired the first crash. I have repaired the first uh, incident (laughs) that I had with it, Um, and actually, so I was talking to somebody that was listening. I don't know if I really did a good job of explaining what happened to it. Um, So I want to kind of go over that again, really quick. Okay. So when I was using the wing bag uh, to suction the air out, oh, the vacuum bag, the vacuum bag. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I guess you're right. When you say wing bag, I think of the ones that you like mm-hmm. a wing tote. But when I was using the vacuum bag to suction the air out, um, so I did not have one of the, the spars in on one of the edges of the wing. So that meant that that balsa was able to move a lot laterally. Laterally. Mm-hmm. And so I think what happened is, is all that air was coming out and it was getting under vacuum. The uh, wing bag slash vacuum bag was moving laterally against those uh uh the spar or the the wing ribs and because there was no spar in there it was able to get more purchase mm-hmm. on the edge yep. and that's what pulled it in at an angle and just made them shatter mm-hmm. so hopefully i yeah, if, you, if it still doesn't make sense reach out to us but i'm pretty sure that should kind of explain it and maybe yeah. when i listen to this again it's not going to do it justice but that's <laughs> what i'm trying to get to um, so yeah, because of that, 
Um, well, you should have just taken a picture of the carnage and put it on the website. I have a picture of some of the pieces, but I didn't even think about doing that like before I put it back together like I should have. But anyway, so I, I did get it back together, and there, like I said, there were a lot of pieces, and I'm not a puzzle guy. I don't like doing <laughs> puzzles. So my wife was downstairs, and I said, hey, here's all these pieces to this, this wing. This is kind of where they need to go. Figure it out and let me know. <laughs> and I told her, don't worry about doing it now. I'm not in a hurry, you know, but it, it needs to be done sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Well, she sat and did it. Well, then I felt obligated to glue it back together right. and to uh, to actually make sure I didn't knock it down again or lose mm-hmm. it or something like that. So I ended up gluing it back together, and I used the uh, the CA glue. Mm-hmm. First off, you didn't like me using the CA glue. You gave me a, a little eye roll and some attitude when you <laughs> noticed that I used I did CA turn glue up my nose, it. yes. Uh, we'll get back to that in a second, but okay. I just wanted to warn people. So if you don't use CA glue for a lot, when you glue balsa... And you try, like, okay, so I was afraid when I was gluing it back together that if I left the pieces apart and put glue on it and then tried to put them back together that they wouldn't really glue back together right, that I might not get it together before it dries enough to where it, you know, I can't get it to fit right. So I just, like, all the pieces that broke, I just put them back together and then ran a bead of glue along the side. Thin CA. Thin CA. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I used the kicker on it. Right. And then I flipped it over and did the same thing. So it's glued from both sides. I gave it a little bit of time to where it would, uh, like soak in a little bit. But so, okay, here's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Took me five days, by the way, to get the glue off of my fingers. And don't forget, this is, this is very important because I don't seem to remember this when I'm doing stuff. When you use CA and then you use the kicker, that's a chemical reaction that creates a lot of heat and some smoke. And first off, it can burn you. Mm-hmm. Trust me, it gets hot. And secondly, that smoke can burn your eyes. Absolutely. So now I don't know what I actually did to myself. I might like go <laughs> blind in 30 years because of it. Uh, but you might. man, that burns your eyes really badly. It does. And it's so like a couple of the spar or the the wing ribs I was putting back together. It was actually really easy to hold because I could just like, you know, I glued it to my finger so I didn't have to use any other finger to hold it. It just kind of stood there and and didn't move. But getting it off is a problem. So if you're doing something stupid like that, be careful. Always make sure you have some of that uncure around Mm -hmm. because that saved me a lot. Because Mm -hmm. I will also admit that I did have two fingers um, temporarily um, attached <laughs> <As one>. mm-hmm. <laughs> to each other. So two fingers became one. Yeah, and yeah. I was constantly making the okay sign. <laughs> <laughs> so just, just yeah, okay. use that as in your, uh, in your, in your mind. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's that. I got it back together. It's not pretty because it bubbles up. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, when you do it, yeah. and as I said, it's not pretty. I looked right over to you, and you're like, "Yeah, it looks terrible." Um, I didn't say that. You thought it out loud with your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, I mean, it is. It's ugly. It is. Fortunately, in this particular case, you're going to sheet over it, and then we're going to cover it with opaque covering because you don't like translucent covering. Not at all. So no one's going to see it. Except right. I'll know it's there. Well, you'll forget. No, I won't. You won't forget? No. Well, should I start over? No, no. I no, wasn't no. going to. I was just asking if I should. I know. But no, I mean, it's okay for me because once again, this isn't my like, 
top shelf airplane. No, that yeah. your repairs will be plenty strong. They really will. But just um, plenty ugly. Just plenty ugly. And so, and I've said this before, we, we've talked about glues in, in a, a previous episode. I'm a huge fan of the yellow woodworking glue. And okay, so I was going to use that. Mm-hmm. Here's why I didn't. There were two reasons. First off, I didn't have a lot of time, so I was kind of in a hurry because it was 10 o'clock at night and it was a work night and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted mm-hmm. to get it done and put together. But secondly, I have not been able to get out of my mind when we were talking about the different glues and stuff. Mm-hmm. You said CA glue pretty much lasts forever, but you have to worry about the wood glue breaking down. Over time. But yes. what is time? Like what? Years. How many years? I mean, this is many. a plane I... I plan on keeping this airplane it, for many years and it unless depends. I crash it. So. so it depends, right? So Carpenter's glue or yellow glue or Elmer's, whatever you want to call it, it's an aliphatic resin. So it's a water-based resin, right? Wait, that means nothing to me, but okay. Well, it's just a water-based resin. And so it requires, I don't know if I want to say it requires, if that's the correct word, but it, it will retain moisture over time. And that's that's actually kind of a good thing um, because that that's what allows that glue to remain somewhat and we're talking minuscule amounts but it remains somewhat flexible and that's why it's such a good glue for balsa because it absorbs it absorbs vibration and things like that um, which which is why I like to use it it it, uh, it doesn't shatter like uh, like CA, CA can um, not not that CA would but I mean, I, I know you've had glue joints before that were CA and that you'd, you know, you'd break them or whatever when you're handling them. And for whatever reason, the CA didn't penetrate the wood or, or whatever the reason is, it didn't stick. I mean, we've all seen those types of glue joints when you pull them apart. It's like, oh, okay, well, this didn't stick to this, the other half of the joint. I've never had that issue with yellow glue. The problem with yellow glue is over time, if it dries out, it does become brittle like CA can. And the problem with that is when it gets brittle, that joint where the two pieces meet, that very, very, very thin layer is what separates. It's hard to explain, but you don't, you have penetration except where you don't. Um, Like where the two pieces are, like I said, there's a thin layer. And when that aliphatic resin or the yellow glue dries out, that's where it's going to fail. It's not going to fail because, you know, because it didn't stick. It's failing because the moisture is gone now out of the, out of the glue that kept it flexible and kept it doing its thing. So over, and we're talking like years. I mean. Well, yeah, but that doesn't mean a lot to me because you have airplanes that are years old. So are you more concerned about an airplane that was put together 10 years ago, which is not a long time? No. Are you more concerned about an airplane put together 10 years ago with CA glue or put together with wood glue? Well, I mean, without inspecting them, I don't have... I mean, I, I would have equal amounts of concern for both. Um, what I will say is I will probably have more issues with, and and not even a 10-year-old airframe. Like if it was constructed properly and the glue joints are, you know, at least somewhat reasonable, you know, the fit was good and the parts and stuff, even 10 years is is no concern for either type of glue for me. Okay. I mean, we're talking like... An airframe that might be 25, 20, 25 or older, that's when I start to get concerned about yellow glue. And even then, the times that I've seen failure are maybe one out of every, 
I don't know, one out of every 30 glue joints I inspect might have some sort of an issue because the glue has dried out. Um, and I don't want that to be a concern in anyone's mind because a properly fit joint is going to fit great no matter what type of glue you use. And it's going to last a really long time no matter what type of glue you use. Okay. So. Because that was a concern yeah, I didn't. I, I didn't want to put a fear in anyone's mind. It's just that my preference is yellow glue. Um, and that's just it. That's just my preference. Well, and I knew you said that. Like, that was what you prefer to build with. But then when we were talking about the glues and stuff, like, I ended up putting this wing together with CA glue because mm-hmm. of that. Well, Because my, my, I was concerned about it. To be completely honest, my wing panels are constructed with CA also. Oh, are they? Uh, up to this point, yeah. Okay. Because well, it's I convenient. Feel, I because don't feel it's so com- bad. No, you shouldn't. Because it's convenient. I mean, CA, I can set my rib on the spar. I can hold the rib in place with my gauge or my builder's triangle that we talked about in the last episode. And then I can give it a shot of CA and move right to the next rib. Now, you don't use the kicker on all those, do you? No. No, no. me neither. Um, okay. I only I, use the kicker if I have to fill a gap that I've left because I didn't take care to make the joint fit properly. Yeah, I um, usually only use kicker when I want to make sure I glue my fingers together <laughs> and uh, burn my eyes. So yeah. that's my go-to. Well, time actually, for CA it. will actually um, off gas. Oh yeah, no, you're create right. Fumes yeah. even without zip kicker. Yeah, like if you put it on some really really nice um, A grain balsa, that really really loose grain soft stuff, and you Where can watch it, it wick in. in. Oh yeah, yeah, you can watch the smoke rise out of that. Yeah. yeah, don't get your eyes anywhere near that. Nope, been there, done that. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. I'll so be yeah, blind but later. yeah. Um, I don't want you to be afraid of. I don't want anyone to be afraid of using yellow glue because it's awesome. Um, okay. And if you have a properly fitting joint, you're in your lifetime or that airplane's lifetime, you you're more than likely not going to ever have any trouble. Well, then, what were you like in some of the pictures you have on the website? You have the wing weights on, mm-hmm. or the the bag weights, whatever you want to call it. Yep. What were you using that for then? I was just using that to hold things. Uh, still while I was trying to get the ribs to, you know, exactly oh, where okay. I wanted them. Well, it was see, just like an extra set of hands. Okay. I assumed that was because you had the wood glue that you were waiting for no, to dry. No, and no, you had no. That on. Oh, now, okay. when I go to sheet the wing, yes, I will have even more weights. Um, Maybe not. Because if we can get this, the, well, that's the right. vacuum set that's up, true. that's my plan still. Haven't had a chance, but I oh. definitely know I should this weekend. Um, well, Because I have a three and a half day weekend. Okay. Well, I may, it depends on what, I have going on the rest of the week. I may go ahead and begin sheeting because I want to get the bottom half of each of those panels sheeted like uh-huh. ASAP so that I can start building, or I'm sorry, the tops of the wings sheeted so I can start filling in the rest of the stuff like the the retract mount rails, servo mounts for the ailerons, things like that. So I want to get the top of the wing sheeted pretty quickly. So I may go ahead and do that without the, the without vacuum the deal. Well, that's fine. Either way. Um, I will absolutely use yellow glue for that. Yeah, and that's what my plan was too, honestly. More so because it gives us more time or mm-hmm. gives me more time to work with it. Yeah. Um, so I don't have to worry about it too much. Right. Uh, drying out, I guess, before <laughs> I have the time to get it all placed uh, properly. So Yellow glue. Use it. Which, by the way, <laughs> I was using the wrong yellow glue also, you oh, told me. It's, so, not ne- it's not necessarily that it's the wrong I, I, so well, okay, so you were looking at the the uh, the wing sheets that I had joined, yes. and you're like, "Oh, you use CA glue on that?" And I said, "No, I used wood glue." And then I showed you the wood glue. You kind of 
rolled your eyes and, not and told me I was eyes. a dummy and did things did the wrong way. I did not tell you. I and, just simply said, I was like, oh. But then yeah, you also, I don't like but then stuff. you said, don't use that, put it away. Because I had the other right stuff out. You did have the right stuff out. And that's which why I, I told you to put that away. Which I didn't know there was a difference. So what's the difference? And uh, why so, do you not want to use the okay. stuff that I was using? And what was I using that was good versus what was I using that was bad? Okay, so in the grand scheme of things, here's the order in which I like to use glue, right? So number one on my list is yellow carpenter's glue, either Elmer's brand or Type Bond or Sig Bond or or there's there's many names for it, but it's it's literally a yellowish color. And it's basically Elmer's like school glue. You know, yeah. remember the water-based white stuff? Yeah, it's the basic resin stuff. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's basically that. Yeah. With okay. Some other stuff added to it. I don't know what it is. But that's number one. Number two on my list would be Gorilla Glue's version of of woodworking glue. I don't know what they call it. It's over there on your table. Yeah, I can't see it from here. Um, that would be my number two choice. And then everything else under that, all right? CA and then, I mean, epoxy is great, but that's not something I use all the time. Well, it has its places. Right. So the stuff you used is fine. I don't like using it because it's harder to sand than plain old aliphatic yellow carpenter's wood glue. Right. Even though it's it looks the same, though. It's yellow. It, it's all that. I mean, It it's, dries clear, though. Well, if you if you look at the bottle, it even tells you that it dries clear. And then the regular yellow wood glue doesn't? No, it dries yellow. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, look at me learning. Yeah. So, and like I said, the reason I don't like the Gorilla Glue stuff, it's, it's fantastic glue. I mean, it really is. It does a great job. And if it's someplace that you don't need to really sand, like if you're stacking ribs on a spar or if you're going to be sheeting... Um, not gluing the sheets together, but putting the sheeting on the airframe, it's great for that. Gives you a little more working time, actually, which is not a bad thing. It's just, it's almost like sand. Like when, like when you join sheets together with it, along that joint, it becomes harder than the wood surrounding it. Yeah. So then when you sand it, the wood sands before the glue does, and then now you have this nice ridge Divot. all the way down. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So that's why I don't like using it. And that's... The only time, really, I don't like using it is whenever I have to sand whatever that joint is. Okay, so that's good to know then. So when I do finally get around to sheeting that rib or the you, wing, yeah, you use can, that glue over the regular yellow glue, you think? Either one. I mean, either one? Okay. yeah, the way the way you're going to do the wing uh, with the vacuum bag, you, you'll have time to use either. Okay. Funsies. So there you go. Well, now I know. So I'm I'm glad... You schooled and me. to everyone listening, Ron does tend to over-exaggerate my reaction to some of the stuff <laughs> he does. Um, I don't think so. In my mind, I mean, it's like, <laughs> wow. I mean, it's it's yeah. an exaggerated I reaction. Mean, I never once used the word idiot. I never rolled my well, I might no, You did roll your eyes, yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I'm sorry. I think I might be, be projecting the calling me an idiot thing for my wife. So that's, <laughs> she does that all the time. And I think I just am used to that. So that's a, a term of endearment from her. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, I'm not a big, not a big, uh, not a big CA uh, fan. Although I did use a lot of it on my wing panels because it was convenient. Yeah, it and makes... it is a strong joint. Like all the laser cut cutouts that you made fit like perfect. Yeah. So it was a good fitting joint. So I didn't mind using CA. And yeah, yeah. And so, so when I when I built my wing though, I ended up sanding the joints probably a little bit more than you did because 
I ended up with a little bit more than a quarter by quarter inch, um, oh, okay. like in that. So the nice thing about that, though, <laughs> I was actually able to cut the right thickness uh, for the spars because I was using the uh, balsa stripper. Yeah. And so I was able to actually add that 16th of an inch or whatever. Exactly what you needed, and you didn't have to buy special balsa. No, and it's a very... Or buy a bigger size at more expense and cut it down. Yeah, and it's a very tight joint now. Nice. So I was happy about that. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So yeah, there you go. That's where we're at on the Duelist. So next we're going to talk about what to expect when you go to a fly-in. And also, most of the time when you go to a fly-in, they expect you or tell you that you have to use a spotter when you're flying. Mm -hmm. Um, So I also want to talk about what it takes to be a spotter, what it takes to be a good spotter, Mm -hmm. and why that is something that's important to have. Uh, Really, it's not a bad idea to have a spotter with you at all times. Even Well, if it's just you at the field, you don't have to do it. (laughs) But obviously, if there's five or six of you guys out at once and you're flying, it's a good idea to have somebody standing next to you with an extra set of eyes. Absolutely. Um, So let's kind of start with all that. Um, So what do you expect when you go to a fly-in, Tom? Well, a lot of fun. That's what I expect. That's why we go to them, right? The end. Okay. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So, I mean, a fly-in, you know, it's not just limited to a um, a fly-in, right? So club, let's just say like maybe a club um, event at the field. Uh, Maybe it's a fly-in, maybe it's a fun fly, maybe it's a contest of some kind. Maybe it's an invitation, you know, they invite another club over to fly at your field or whatever. Um, so an event at the field. First thing, um, I mean, if it's a if it's an organized club event, um, you're, there's going to be some sort of registration, right? Um, but before I talk about that, if you're going as a spectator. See, you and I go for different reasons. Like, I have never flown at a fly-in. Yeah. And I don't know if I ever actually plan on doing it. Oh, they're lots of fun. Well, really I enjoy are. watching it so much more and just taking in the sights and sounds and, and learning about different airplanes Yeah, because I've not been around it for, what, 86 years now <laughs> like you have. So it's, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. still new to me, um, whereas it's old hat for you. So it's the same thing over and over. Um, but to me, it's just more fun watching people and interacting, like seeing how they fly, what they bring and learning than it is to actually. Oh, I'll be honest. I mean, I can go, I can go to another club's flying and not fly at all and mm-hmm. have almost as much fun as if I was flying. Cause see, I like you, I like seeing different types of airplanes. Yeah. And even if I see the same airplane, maybe somebody has covered a different color and I'm gonna be like, Ooh, I like that color combination yeah. or, or whatever, you know, oh, so that's I, transparent. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. I love transparent. I know. So everyone knows. Um, but I mean, I can have, I think I can have just as much fun as a spectator, as a flyer too, uh, for the same reasons you're talking about. Yeah. So when, like at an actual sanctioned fly-in or mm-hmm. event kind of thing, right. um, I, like I said, I'm, I'm not comfortable enough, I think, to actually fly well, with a lot of other people. Well, you fly more. Well, I do. And <laughs> I actually fly more than you think. I mean, I oh. went just in this last week, I went out and ended up flying, uh, uh, Whatever that little thing is, I have on the other side of the gr- or the basement here. Oh, the addiction or not the addiction? Uh, I don't remember what it's called anymore. But yeah, you're right. The, the little, little extra thing or whatever that is. Yeah, the the yak looking piece of wood kind profile, of balsa thing. Whatever. It no, is. not the profile one. The one that I don't like that's transparent. Yeah, it's not a profile. Oh, I thought that was a profile. Oh no, yeah, I guess no, it does fully, have a fuselage, doesn't it? Yeah, it's fully. Oh, so you did do some flying? I did. Well, that's yeah. good. We didn't talk about flying. No, we didn't. It's because. 
Yeah, that's fine. We didn't make it to the field to fly, by the way. No. It was a busy weekend. I had lots of stuff to do. I had to work on my car. I had to work. I had to cut the grass after you left. I had to cut the grass because you gilded me into it. Why do you leave a strip of grass not cut, by the way? You're talking about right up there by the house? Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> I saw that today, actually. You actually saw, I was hoping nobody would see that. Oh, no, that. I noticed it. It's, I mean, of one's like, it's like it. three inches taller. Mm-hmm. That might be an exaggeration, but it is, it's, yeah, so. <laughs> it's past your uh, your sidewalk, and it's like you just completely, I thought like maybe. It's not past it. It's like directly in line, right? So. Well, yeah, I, if you're walking on your sidewalk and you would just keep walking, so it's past that sidewalk. Yeah. That's yeah. because, like, I have to come back and back up and then cut that. And I just, <laughs> I usually save that for one of the last things I do, like as part of my trimming. Oh, and I for, I just completely forgot about it. So I was like, you awesome. know what? It'll get cut next time I cut the grass. I thought like Lori might be planting flowers or something. You were for some reason <laughs> leaving it to grow. No, for I just forgot to go back and cut it. <laughs> and sometimes I forget that little patch between the garage and the house too. Oh, that I didn't know. So I don't go that way. No, I got that one this like, time. I just forgot the front where everybody <laughs> could see it. There's several spots in our yard though where I was told by my wife to not cut because we had uh, uh, sunflowers coming up. So oh, apparently right. you can't cut those down. So looking in our yard, we just have like odd sunflowers growing here and there and all that kind of stuff. So I thought that's what you guys were doing too for some odd reason. Hmm. No, that's not a bad idea. Maybe I'll plant some sunflowers there. There you go. Do Don't a- they need sun though? Apparently, I mean that's yeah, a sunflower, but that I don't know. It doesn't get a lot of sun. At any rate, wow. we didn't we Off didn't topic yeah we didn't one. get Sorry to get to go to the field to try the telemaster, but we hope to this weekend at some point. We should have time. Yes, yeah. with four days. Well, three and a half. Three and a half days for me. Yeah, four for me. Hopefully, we can find. I still haven't told work yet. A I don't think of... that's gonna be a problem. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Hope uh, hope they don't listen to this. Well, you'll ask him before I'll, the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll ask him tomorrow. All right. But anyway, yeah. So I like to go to fly-ins uh, either as a spectator or as a as a participant. Um, I prefer to go as a participant because I like flying. I like hanging out with other guys who fly uh, model airplanes because they're fun. Uh, yeah. So what to very, expect. Very insightful. Very yeah. Insightful. As, a, as a pilot, as a participant, you're going to register usually. Uh, the club will want some information from you if you're not one of their club members. Like your name, you know, maybe they'll take your address, they'll mail you maybe a newsletter once in a while. Um, and most importantly, they're going to want your AMA number and probably an entry fee of some kind. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah, And the reason that AMA number is important is because if it's at a club field, uh, club field is going to be, you know, sponsored, or not sponsored, but sanctioned by the AMA. So they fly under the AMA rules. And to be covered under any kind of AMA claim... Whoever flies there will also have to be covered by the AMA. So that's why they're going to want that. That's why it's a good idea. That's one of many reasons it's a good idea to become a member of the AMA. I don't work for the AMA, folks. I'm just saying um, it's a good idea because it's it's really cheap coverage. Yeah. Really, it is. We should get into that one episode, like actually what all is covered with it and why Yeah. Why it's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, we sh- maybe we will. Because um, I know... Through our uh, survey submissions, we have a, a few folks that uh, indicated that they were not AMA members. Yeah. Um, maybe they don't need it. I get it. You get a lot of good stuff uh, from the AMA. Yeah. Honestly, if I was just flying at my house, I would not be a member of it. 
the magazine's pretty good. Even if even if the even if you only join the AMA for the magazine, that's a pretty cheap subscription. What? That's a very expensive subscription for for the mag for the only magazine of its kind, really, right now. Eighty bucks a year for four magazines? Is it four? Now? I thought it was. I thought we were up to six now. Is it okay? Even if it's six, twelve. I'd rather buy a book. Oh, for that price. Well, I f- I feel like it's pretty good because. In every AMA magazine, you've got a listing of events that uh, clubs have announced that they're going to put on. So you can sort of plan, you know, your summer, like maybe you want to go to a couple of fly-ins or or maybe a, you know, a, a manufacturer is going to put on a demonstration or something. You can you can kind of plan that. In the, I mean, I guess that's not the only place to find that information, but it's pretty handy when it's mailed right to your house. <laughs> okay. Just saying. Yeah. Mail has it if it actually shows up. Mine shows up. We've had stuff get lost so much; it's not even funny. Well, move to move out of the sticks. No, mm-mm. <laughs> you couldn't pay me enough. So yeah, they're going to want your AMA number and uh, and their entry fee. And the entry fee is usually to cover you know concessions and any expenses like the club has incurred while putting on the event. Um, yeah, and most of the time, like that, when you say concessions, that will include like a meal ticket. Mm-hmm. Um, usually. So most of the time, when you go, they will have. Hot dogs, hamburgers, chips and drinks, water, uh, sodas, and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, that's like a fundraiser kind of thing for, for them the too, for yep. the club. Yeah. yeah. So, if you ever go, feel free to eat. You know. Yeah. Eat a lot. Uh, help. <laughs> help out the club. Helps. Uh, helps uh, keep things up at the club. Yeah, because what a lot of people don't think about is that it usually costs the club money. Uh, to rent either the field or maybe they lease the field or, you know, so there's usually costs involved with even just running the club. And this is one way the club uh, can recoup some of the costs and put on these fun events. Well, and upkeep too, because you've got to keep, you know, you've got to keep up with the mowing. And in the summertime, that's more than once a week, really, because it can be. Yeah, Ours is, well, it's, I wish it was more of a, uh, like a paved field, but it's, it's usually kept small enough or short enough to where you can fly almost anything off of the grass um yeah almost almost within reason yeah not jets or anything like that or edf jets right um because the wheels are too small on that for anything but pavement but yeah so most of the time you can you can deal like any planes i have i can take off of the field i'm going through the list of planes in my head i think there's maybe just a couple that i have to either hand launch or whatever but for those i just i go fly over at the park Oh. Or not the park, but the school there when there's when they're not in session. Yeah, which they haven't been, but thanks to COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're a lot of fun. And then usually at a at a club event, um, if it's like a fun fly kind of a thing, they'll have maybe like little contests, uh, like who can land, you know, in the in the shortest amount of time or a distance, or maybe who has the shortest takeoff. And there's lots of fun little events that they can put together and they're not as common as they used to be um back in the day back in the <laughs> the 80s and 90s fun flies were really really a thing and um you know it seemed like every club no matter where you went was putting on you know two or three of these things a year and, and that's uh, too bad because that sounds like that would be a lot of fun to go to actually like they were. I, I would fly at something like that yeah if there was a reason to actually fly and it's not just you know come out here fly your airplanes around that would be yeah. enjoyable. And there's something about like the, even if it's just a friendly competition, like most landings in a minute or, or most touch and goes in a minute or whatever, it seems like 
if you add some sort of a competition element to it, it adds like a whole other level of interest and it really sort of gets you into improving your technique. Yeah. Like, you know, for instance, um, you know, one of the events that, uh, that I remember um, as a young one or a younger one was the target landing. You know, they would have this uh, area painted on the runway that you were supposed to touch down in, right? And and it was like a, it was kind of like a bullseye. It had rings, you know, different sizes, and you got different points based on you know where you landed and where you touched down or whatever in the ring. And uh, I just remember doing that. It really kind of honed my skills on, you know, airplane control and and really getting uh, comfortable with whatever airplane I was flying and learning its. Uh, you know, its tendencies and where I should turn to base and where, you know, where I should start to cut the throttle. I mean, it just makes you a better pilot, really. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of hones those basic skills uh, in the name of fun. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, back in the day, they were really, really popular uh, with the clubs. I, I don't know why they're not anymore. It seems like a lot of the clubs that I know of, they don't do that sort of thing anymore. And they do that. They do other things in favor of that, you know, like they'll have maybe a, a swap meet or, or something like that. I really kind of miss the flying events, though. You know, I wonder, in all honesty, without sounding bad, like our club is uh, older, and I wonder if that's because they don't want to have like 17 different airplanes crash trying to land twice in a minute. So I will agree with you that our that our club membership is is. The demographic is probably in general older, but our club officers are fairly young, actually. Oh, okay. Um, right now, our president is actually younger than I am. That's not hard. And he's, <laughs> and he's from like I don't know him well, um, but he's from an era where fun flies and things like that were still popular. So, I don't know. I, I maybe maybe at the next club meeting I'll bring that up. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, because I miss those events. I mean, I miss, and what I really miss are the airplanes that were designed in that era to compete at events like that. A lot of them were profile with the thick, you know, wings or whatever, but a lot of them weren't. Like the Midwest Hots, which is like one of the um, icons of like fun flies, was designed in that era for that purpose. It had a really thick wing, it had this weird kind of triangular shaped. Um, fuselage. It was just a really cool airplane. It was actually one of my first airplanes. And, uh, man, they flew great. You could do loops like just... Really? Yeah, it would just almost just swap ends right in the <laughs> right in the air if you had it set up right. It was a lot of fun. Oh, that is cool. The early days of pattern maybe, huh? Yeah, it could be. Well, let's, we should bring that back. Let's do that next time we're out in the field. Just okay. for funsies. Just yeah. for us. Okay. All right. Maybe we'll uh, start a start a trend. Or revive a trend, maybe. There you go. Yeah. I don't know if we're that popular, but whatever. You know, another fun event back in the day was the airplane limbo. So they would they would take two big, you know, posts, mm-hmm. and they would run, like, one of those cheap paper streamers or whatever that was really easy to cut. Yeah. I think you get them at, like, party stores or whatever. Yeah. And you would literally fly, you know, you would gradually lower it, and then as people broke the streamer, they were disqualified, or if they couldn't fly under it or whatever. And then you would do a twist on that. Like once that was over, then it was like inverted limbo. No, no, no. And that's I, when mm-hmm. it got fun to watch because, man, <laughs> you know, there were some pilots that were not afraid to, you know, drag the tail in the grass. I mean, it was just, I mean, I'm smiling, you know, just remembering, how, you know, when I, when I was younger going to those events and watching some of the skill of those guys and the and the nerve of some of those guys. Yeah, I, I couldn't do that. 
Yeah. Right side up, sure, because if I get too low, I'm landing. But uh, <laughs> upside down, nope. <laughs> that's that's back in a time where uh, where guys would experiment and they would put landing gear on both sides of the airplane. I'm sure you've seen them. Uh, yeah. Uh, for that reason. Just in case. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'd get confused on what's up and down, so landing gear wouldn't help. <laughs> right. Nosedive is still a nosedive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, Tom, what else do you expect when you go to a fly-in? Sorry. Oh, we that's got okay. a little off topic. That's again. all right. I mean, that's that's really kind of, I mean, the basics. Um, I, what, what do you think? Well, I know a lot of times you'll have, like, the 50-50s. Um, oh, the raffles. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll do raffles and that kind of stuff. Um, sometimes, seems... sometimes manufacturers or distributors will like donate stuff to the club to, you know, to raffle off as, you know, to help with the club, you know, don't, or, uh, fundraising sometimes. Yeah. So it was, yeah, sometimes they'll get that kind of stuff. Um, but also like a lot of times you will have like flight demonstrations and stuff too. You'll have either sponsored pilots or just somebody that has something, uh, unique, Right. That you don't see all the time. Mm-hmm. And that's always fun to go see because, I mean, I'm trying to think what it was last time at our our big fly-in. We had, uh, who was that that came and Jace. flew? Yeah, yeah. He came and, and put on a, a heck of a show. Right. Uh, Jay Stucia. And it was a very, if you've never seen somebody that knows how to fly well. Incredible. That is, I mean, that's just like your jaw hits the floor. Yeah. If if you guys don't know who we're talking about, get online, look it up on YouTube, and you'll be very impressed. Um, well, and not just Jay. I mean, there's, well, there's lots of yeah. you know lots of really talented pilots out there. But yeah, he, the stuff was that they one, can do with an airplane is he was one that was at our place, so that's crazy. why yeah that's why I brought him up yeah um, and yeah he could do things with an airplane that an airplane just doesn't look like it should be able to do. Well, and any other airplane than what he is flying, <laughs> but just. If you could get it to go in some of those those angles and stuff, it would just split in half <laughs> because they are built obviously to handle that many handle G's. G's yeah. But, oh, it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, if anybody is at a flying field like that and they're doing their demonstration, just land. If you're flying, don't right. don't be up in the air at the same time as them. Yeah. Um, I mean, mostly might, because it's yeah, fun to watch. Yeah, you probably want to watch it. Yeah, you don't want to miss something like that. So, yeah. yeah, always come in and land and give them the airspace. Yeah. Um, sometimes the club will announce they're going to be doing it and make you come in. Yeah. Uh, but if not, still, just come in, give them some room. And, yeah. and usually they'll, they'll, you know, the, there will be a, an MC or a PA there, and they'll announce, you know, that they're going to do that, and that's your cue to go ahead and wrap it up, that wrap up that flight and so you can watch it. Um, if you're a participant at one of these events, um, that event is not a good time to maiden an airplane. And actually, most of the time they tell you not to. Right. Um, I mean, that kind of falls into the, the etiquette at the field that we sort of talked about quite a few episodes ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're going to one of these club events or a fly-in or a demonstration or whatever, um, not a good time to maiden your airplane. Yeah. I would either get it done before that or take something that you've already you know, comfortable with. Yeah, and if if you do want to bring it with you to show it off, that's fine. No, Just that's one thing. Don't yeah. fly it. Yeah. Right. And if you're not familiar with the people that are there, you know, they should all should be nice and and not too much of a, a jerk, but sometimes you'll get those people. But just remember, hands off airplanes. Yeah. You know, if it's not yours, right. don't touch it. Yeah. Uh, unless they ask you to, that's different. But uh, right. most of the time, I'm not going to ask anybody that's... uh 
that I don't know to do anything with my airplanes. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you would either. No. Um, no. So, yeah, just kind of keep that in mind. Just be polite. Keep your distance. A lot of times, too, mm-hmm. if you're not actually registered as a pilot, they will have a line that you can't cross. Exactly. You know, they'll have the flight line that yep. you uh, the pilots go before or go in front of, and then you have to stay behind. So. Yep. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about spotters. Yeah. What is your What is your thought on on spotters? Um, spotters are cool. <laughs> spotters <laughs> no, serve a very very important role. They do. It's an extra set of eyes. Yep. And because uh, when you're flying your airplane, seriously, don't take your eyes off your airplane. Um, Reggie. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say that, but yeah, I know I did. Um. So you always want to have, and like I said, this is required at some fields when they're doing fly-ins. If you're just flying with a bunch of people, it's always good to have a friend next to you to kind of keep an eye on what's going on. So a spotter can keep an eye out for planes taking off and landing. Mm -hmm. They can keep an eye out for planes that are kind of flying in the same pattern as you and let you know if somebody's coming up. If you're coming up on somebody that you don't see, if somebody's going the wrong way. Um, And they can also kind of keep an extra ear out for your airplane if you're having any problems because yep. it's when there's a lot of airplanes in the air it's hard to hear your airplane over some of the other ones so you don't know if you're having any engine problems uh flutter can get hard to hear if that ever happens mm-hmm. um but it's also good because they can be an extra ear for hearing if somebody's landing or if somebody's right. taking off or if somebody's on the field when you're trying to go out to, or trying to come in for a landing yep. um it's just an extra level of safety that yep. people can kind of uh, kind of watch over and make sure that nothing happens. Yeah. So. And a good spotter will usually be um, communicating with the other spotters, uh, conveying, you know, what your intention or what your pilot's intentions are. Like if, you know, you know the, uh, the pilot should be concentrating on his airplane and be talking to his spotter saying, hey, listen, uh, this next time I go by, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot an approach or I'm going to go ahead and land or whatever. And then that spotter can sort of communicate with the other spotter and say, hey, listen, He's going to land, you know, that way everybody's kind of on the same page and they know where where you're at in your in your airspace. Yeah. So that no one else will get in your airspace. Yeah. And if you're ever <clears throat> uh, flying and you hear somebody say, you know, I have to land now or something happened, give them as much room as you can sure. just to make sure they don't have to worry about another airplane being in the way. Yeah. If they have an engine out, you know, if they're doing a dead stick landing. Because yeah. their focus is not going to be on your airplane. No. Not at all. Yeah. And uh, I think we've both seen it to where uh, people have been landing while somebody else has been taken off yeah. and had some on-runway accidents. Yeah. Um, it, yeah, it happens more frequently than, than you think it should, which really. Really, it shouldn't happen ever for ever. as much as, you know, as, for as close as we are all together when we're flying. Right. I mean, in all honesty, there's not right. a lot of distance. Yep. You know, it's not like you're actually in the airplane. You're within earshot of everybody, so right. it's hard to hear sometimes when somebody's spooling up their motor on the on the test stand or when they're you know doing some tuning before they're getting ready to take off. So if something's going on, listen and yell loud, you know, just to make yep. sure everybody can hear you that something's going on. You need the runway or something like that. So and then your spotter is usually going to be the guy to go out and retrieve your airplane or put it out or after put it your, out there for yeah. the takeoff. Yeah. That way you're always in control of it with the the uh, controller. Exactly. So, um have a spotter. Mm-hmm. Even when, you know, it's not a bad idea when you're just at the field with a few a few other guys or girls. Um but it's it's usually always required at a fly in. Spotters are also the ones that will throw your airplanes if you don't have landing gear and uh well, most spotters will. Yeah. I won't do that for you anymore. <laughs> 
the one time you convince me to throw your airplane, it lawn darts right into the ground and just disintegrates. It didn't disintegrate, did it? It did. Which airplane was that? Uh, it was some foam. Was it a MiG? What was the... I don't remember which one oh, it was. Oh, it was the old T-38. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. So it was not pretty. But you know what? It's it's in one piece again and ready to go. I still I mean, felt bad about that. Even though you said it wasn't my fault, it I wasn't. still feel as though it was my fault. Well, anyway. Um, you would make a terrible spotter because you won't launch somebody's plane for them. I will set it out on the runway for them and they can handle it, <laughs> but uh, right. So, yeah. Just don't fly a foamy. I'll be fine. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> That's not true. You have some. I do. But I, I've just, I've developed a technique where most, most of my foamies I can, I can usually handle myself. Yeah. I don't like doing it that way, but since, since I can't find anyone to launch it for me, I've sort of out of necessity, developed a technique by which I can launch my own airplanes. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Most of the time. Makes me feel better. <laughs> I have I have a few failed attempts. but You've lawn darted them yourself. I have. Yeah. And it unfortunately, it happens. I mean, I've done it myself, too, on foamies out here in the backyard. It just it just happens. It's, it's hard when you can't get your fingers on the transmitter as soon as you get it out of your out of your hand. So anyway, yep. that's another topic. So for that's another why day, spotters guess. are important. It's time for RC Plane Labs Tool of the Week. Tool of the Week. This week's tool is the drill index. Tommy, why don't you tell us a little bit about it? So, I mean, I thought maybe, you know, the tool of the week should be the drill bit. But there are so many different sizes, right? I mean, eighth inch, sixth. I mean, we use so many different sizes of drill bits. Different really sizes, do. different types, different, different lengths, different compositions. What's right. it made of? Is it a paddle bit? You know, yeah. Right. So I thought instead of a drill bit, what about a drill index? And a drill index is basically the box. Which I actually didn't know what a drill index was. <laughs> I mean, like I have a couple of them. Yes. And I didn't know that's what they were called. I just right. thought it was a fancy holder for my drill bits. No. No, there's a, it is, it has a name and it's called a drill index and it, and it sorts, if you will, I hate and I will, say that. If I will. And it sorts for you, your drill bits. Uh, so a drill index is a big box or a little box, depending on what size drill index you bought. <laughs> depending on how many drill And how many drill bits, bits are in you it. have. Um, and they have, uh. Different sized holes? Yeah, but the. Like the, an indexed hole? The, <laughs> the thing that folds out, you know, they, they kind of leaves maybe, they fold out and then they have the holes in them that are graduated to fit your drill bit perfectly. So for instance, um, my drill index that I have at home is a, uh, it's a wire gauge drill index. So, oh, okay. So my drill bits are arranged in this drill index, uh, by wire gauge size. So number 40, number 41, 42, so on and so forth. And I think they start at, uh, I think mine starts at 60 and goes all the way up to one, which is counterintuitive. Yeah. One being the biggest, 60 being the smallest. Yeah, because um, wire gauges are backwards. Right, right. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also have a handy-dandy reference that uh, the cross-references uh, the wire gauge size as into thousands. So I know exactly, you know, a quarter-inch bit yeah. is 250 thousandths which is very close to, I think, a letter G or whatever it is. But anyway, um, a drill index, the drill bit for that particular size will only fit or will fit down to, I should say, 
its specific size. So a lot of these drill bits are so small, you can't read the numbers on them or the letters or the fractional size or whatever. So having the nice drill index, I can put this drill bit into progressively smaller holes until it doesn't go into the next one. And I know <laughs> the you first know hole it goes it into, goes. that's what size it is. Yeah. I mean, you can also measure them with a you know dial caliper or whatever. but Or just take one out at a time. Uh, well, you know, sometimes in the thrash of building, man, you got to, you know, you got drill bits everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I got one mounted in my cordless drill. I got True. one mounted in my Dremel. I got one mounted in my pen vise. You know, I got, they're just everywhere. So You got a point. So sometimes it's handy to, you know, to have a drill index so you can store them safely so they're not getting bent or shattered or, you know, left on the concrete floor to be run over by, by, by my um, chair. <laughs> okay. Happens. Well, good deal. Uh, so, yeah, drill index, you can find them just about anywhere you can find drill bits. Yeah. Cool. Like I get mine, I think, from Harbor Freight. <laughs> I think my last set of drill the index thing came from Lowe's. Oh, you got a good one. I didn't say that. I just said it came from Lowe's. <laughs> they have their cheap line, too. That's true. But, I mean, yeah. we're only going into balsa, so I don't need right. an extremely hardened bit or anything no. like that, you know? Well, occasionally I do drill aluminum, you know, for an aluminum motor mount or an aluminum landing gear. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'll maybe need to drill something into brass or whatever. Um, so I tend to buy the, the you know, the better... Harbor Freight ones, <laughs> if there is such a <laughs> Which thing. is probably the same rating as the, <laughs> as the not better. As the low-end ones. Yeah. Lowe's one, yeah. But, uh, right. but yeah, the, the uh, drill index, very handy to keep your drill bits uh, organized and uh, out of harm's way. And like I said, it keeps you from running over them with your chair down on your concrete floor. <laughs> All right, good deal. Well, thanks. Uh, You're welcome. Anything else? No, that's all I got. All right, good deal. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. Until next time, I'm Ron. And I'm Tom. Good night. Good night. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the RC Plane Lab podcast. For topic suggestions, to ask questions, or to give any feedback, connect with us at rcplanelab.com or email us direct at either ron at rcplanelab.com or tom at rcplanelab.com. You can also text us or leave us a voicemail at 818-351-9846. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, may your landings be gentle.